Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Okay, um, if you want to turn to Galatians chapter 2, and we brought this up last night in class, but it's been something we also touched on last week about the uh, true gospel, and, and I, I think we are so blessed in our ministry to have a clear sound. Uh, I think of 1 Corinthians 14, 8, how will people know unless there's a clear sound, right? Back in the olden days of war, uh, there would be a certain trumpet sound that would advance the troops or retreat the troops, right? And imagine if you were trying to advance and you heard the retreat call. That'd be chaotic, wouldn't it? Or vice versa. Or the call for the archers to send their arrows, but it was the wrong call. It was the infantry call. And people would be doing the wrong action in a critical moment, and it could cost them their life. It could even cost them the battle. So when I think about the gospel... Uh, it's so valuable to have a clear sound. And today it's so muddled. Today the gospel is rare. And we are blessed in our ministry uh, to hear it on every side, it seems, right? We can own, people have said, oh, it's like a bubble, you know? <laughs> and I, I say to that, enjoy it. Because when you get outside these walls, when you get outside this area... Uh, and you're ministering the gospel, uh, people, the world will attack the true gospel. And um, so we see an interesting, we see some interesting verses here where there's a subtlety of the devil to, to pervert the gospel, right? In Galatians chapter 1, we, we see these words here in verse 7. Um, <clears throat> he says in 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that calls you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And I love this verse because if you slow it down, it says, you know, I'm amazed, I'm in shock that you are soon removed from him. Isn't that good? From him, speaking of Jesus Christ. And whenever our faith, whenever our focus, whenever our attitude is removed from him, immediately uh, our thoughts are not the thoughts of God. They're not the mind of Christ. And, um, but notice what he says this. Uh, he says, that called you into the grace of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? The grace of Christ. And when you see these words, uh, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You see Christ as the center he fulfilled the law, therefore he's the central point of our faith and the one that we follow. And in verse 7, which is not another. And that, he makes an interesting point here. He says this, he goes, you're, uh, that he's saying here that you're called into this grace unto another gospel. And then he kind of corrects himself. He says, it's not even the gospel. It's not even the gospel. But there be the same that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. 
And in our ministry to people, the only ministry we have is the gospel. The only way of transformation is the gospel. The only way of hope is the gospel. Only. Only. And I know I'm kind of speaking to the choir today. And I was reminded of this verse in, uh, with Paul Little. He says, know what you believe. <clears throat> now, in our ministry, we have such an emphasis on teaching and education. And um, <clears throat> it's so important to process, <clears throat> process the information, not as man's words, but as God's words, and know what you believe. Because when you... And I, you know, you've all experienced this. You're on the streets. You hear another voice. You hear another mindset. Like someone said to me the other day that Jesus needed to be born again. And I said, can you explain that to me? And it was pure ridiculousness and twisting of Scripture and perverting of the gospel. But as we near the rapture, the subtlety is not so subtle anymore. It's blatant. And the devil is deceiving the masses because the masses are not taught. They're not in their Bibles. That's why I love our Bible school is because you're learning line upon line and precept upon precept. Because of this point, and I'll, I'll show you this here in Galatians chapter 2, this is what is going on that we know but maybe today this will be a little bit of a fresh reminder. And he says here, um, again, we see in chapter 1 of Galatians, what is the gospel? I mean, an, an, an excellent, we've said this before, we said this, I wonder if I wrote down this verse. Yes, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 through 6. Let's, let's just look at that. I've brought this up before, but these verses just, I cannot, they just don't leave my mind um, what is the gospel? This is the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 through 6. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. And here's the gospel. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine upon them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ the Lord in ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our heart to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? So what is the gospel? It's the light, it's the glory, and the image of God. And I think, I think why Paul is, is uh, saying this is because there's such false teachers that are making it man-centered, making it man's best effort, making it um, man-oriented. And I want to get into some, some points here in a minute on that, but look back with me in Galatians chapter 2. And Galatians is one of these books that is really directed to Christians that have wandered away from absolute truth. I love Pastor Schaller's message about absolute truth. Absolute truth changes us absolutely. Right? Isn't that good? <laughs> yes, we're in progressive sanctification, but the finished work says God sees us totally complete 
What an awesome, that is the glorious gospel. Colossians 2.10, we're complete. So often we see ourselves in process, which is true. But in God's eyes, he looks at us in Christ, finished, complete. And this is why we have hope, conviction, and we have uh, an understanding. Because why? Because we have the mind of Christ. But the world, and even Christianity today, is far from that. Far from it. And this is why, notice this, in chapter 2 we see this, this overarching thought of circumcision, that you have to be circumcised to be like the Jew, and therefore to be accepted, and there to be religiously in right standing. And Paul rips it apart. He rips it apart. And we could use circumcision, we could use another word here, uh, another type of idea. You have to um, I think of the charismatic movement, you have to have all the gifts, you know, uh, you could put in another thing like um, baptismal regeneration, you have to be baptized to really be saved. You could say tongues, you could say, um, you could say a lot of things that, uh, again, uh, aren't, are inaccurate. Look what he says here in verse 4. He's saying, and that because of false brethren, unaware, brought in. And that's sad right there, isn't it? It's like false brethren have come into the church, infiltrated the church, and people are not aware of it. Who came in privily or subtly, and notice this, to spy out our liberty. What's the devil want to do? He wants to stealthily spy out our liberty and introduce another thought to lead us to bondage. Isn't that, isn't that shocking? I mean, maybe it's too simplistic, but the devil is such a, he's such a liar, isn't he? <clears throat> to spy out our liberty. What, what, what does the devil want to do in your life? He wants to spy out your liberty and convince you that you're not to be free. You're not to be walking in liberty in Galatians 5.1. He wants to somehow uh, burden you and I with something false. And this is what happens when our center is no longer Christ. What happens? We enter into a false burden. Notice this. It says, Who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ. Where's our liberty? Christ. Pretty clear, isn't it? Very obvious that they may bring us again to bondage. So why is this, why is this such an uh, important point today? Well, if you look further into the, into the chapter, there is a confrontation. Paul confronts Peter because of hypocrisy, because something has divided the gospel of Christ. Even Barnabas, even Barnabas gets misled. And Paul is saying, listen, you are free. You are in Christ. You are in the word. You are in, in the beloved. And, uh, <clears throat> and this foundation 
is so important because the devil creeps in. Maybe he projects something. Maybe he suggests something. Maybe it's higher criticism. Maybe it's, um, oh, the gospel is too simple. It, there's got to be more, right? How many people have we talked to and they've said that, like, really? Once saved, always saved? Like, like because <clears throat> it doesn't register in their logical minds because we know that the message of the cross is foolishness, right? Of course it's not going to register in your mind. Of course you're not going to be able to process God. Of course you're not going to be able to understand the things of God, only the Spirit, right? First Corinthians chapter 2. But notice what he says here, and, and this is very, this is very uh, interesting. So, um, <clears throat> so let me just read these verses. Uh, so we see in verse 9, these men realize the grace that was on Paul's life. Uh, and in verse 12, Peter, uh, he acts one way with the Jews and separates himself with the Gentiles. See that? He, um, he, he had partiality. And then, then we see a word here that is, that is really interesting. Uh, verse 13 of chapter 2. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Now, this word dissimulation could be a word for division or hypocrisy. And this word is interesting in the Greek because it means to put on a mask and to act like someone that you're not. It's a very interesting word to put on a mask, to be an actor, to be something that you're not, to project or portray something that is not true. So this teaching really infiltrated the men of the church. Interesting, isn't it? Hypocrisy, right? To put on a mask. Now, I don't know if you do that. Have you ever gone to a masquerade party, put on a mask to hide your identity? so that people don't know who you are, so that you can do what you do with anonymity, right? To be anonymous. This is what Paul is saying here. When you and I divert from the clear sound of the gospel, we're putting on a mask. We are taking on an identity that's false. And what do we lose? We lose our authority because the only authority we have in the Spirit is from the Bible, John 14, 26. So why am I making this a point? Well, there is a beautiful confrontation here, and there's a beautiful response, right? Uh, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Okay? We know that in Romans 3.24 uh, that we are justified by Jesus Christ. So why is this valuable? Well, in progressive Christianity... It is another gospel. Progressive Christianity is a willingness to question tradition. 
Okay, let me give you a couple points here. Number two, progressive Christianity accepts human diversity. Sounds good, doesn't it? You scratch behind the surface on that one, you see a lot of compromise, a lot of ecumenicalism, you see a lot of liberalism, you see a tremendous diversion, dissimulation from the gospel, which is Christ plus nothing, which is righteousness plus, uh, which is grounded in truth. How about this? Progressive Christianity, and if it's everywhere. It's permeated, it's infected so many, so many denominations. It is shocking. Progressive Christianity has a strong emphasis on social justice. That'll rile some people up. Number four, it has an, it has an attitude of environmental stewardship of the earth. Have a conversation with somebody about Mother Earth and, and, uh, and taking care of the earth. Now, I'm not against that, but people enter into Baal worship pretty quick there because they, uh, they, they put that above the scriptures. Progressive Christianity is dangerous. It's divisive. Well, we could also say another mask is neo-orthodoxy, where the Bible is not really the objective truth. I was talking with somebody recently that professed to be a Christian. They told me Jesus was not the Son of God and the Bible was not true. I said, well, First John has another conclusion about who you are. It's very interesting. You start having conversations with people about the gospel where the Bible is the word of God, the breath of God, the living word, the written word, the logos, every, even the punctuation is anointed. Neo-orthodoxy is sin is the rejection of our responsibility to treat our fellow man well. Boy, did we not see that during COVID. That's neo-orthodoxy. I mean, we're in the realm of paganism now where it's just open idolatry and open abandonment of Scripture. But neo-orthodoxy means sin is characterized by the rejection of responsibility to treat our fellow man well. That's why we see be kind. That's why we see pay it forward. We see all of these good things. But what are they rooted in? They're rotten. They're rotten. Because our good works comes from really the love and character of God. Otherwise, it's all superficial and it's all a mask. Isn't this a good rap today? It's going to get better because I want to I drill right into this. Humanism. Man is his own God. <clears throat> we don't need God anymore because we can solve our problems. We're, we're pretty clever, you know. <laughs> so why are we bringing this up? When we deviate from the simplicity of the gospel, and I'm so thankful with you today that we know what it is. We're not spiritually ignorant. Spiritual ignorance is, hey, I just do what I do, and God will, God will forgive me, and God will wink at my sin. And uh, 
I don't have to really worry about the consequence. Well, humanism is, it's all man-centered. That's why when we talk to people, they, <clears throat> they compare themselves with others and they leverage themselves thinking that they're better. The, the gospel of depravity is not a, is not a, um, it's not a popular gospel, that we are hopeless, helpless, and without any means of contribution. But that's not where it stops. The message of the cross cancels you and I out so that all we want to talk about is Christ. I have very little to say to people about, about me and what I think should happen. It's Christ and Christ crucified. And that is the message of the gospel. Addictions, Christ and Christ crucified. Marriage problems, Christ and Christ crucified. Personal problems, mental problems, heart problems, relationship problems, conflict resolution, Christ and Christ crucified. Guaranteed, if we get out of the way, guess what? God is able to move. Amen? How about Unitarianism? I had a great conversation with someone recently about Unitarianism which came from the age of the Enlightenment. And, and I was educated on this recently. Unitarianism, more than just universalism, but we have a spark of goodness in all of us and that we just need to fan the flame. All right? Was that, was that a message that Jesus preached in the Gospels? Did Jesus say that in the Gospels? If he did, show me, right? <laughs> I know he said he did not put his trust in man because he knew man. He knew it was in man. You see the diversion that happens, the perversion, the twisting? And this is why the glorious gospel is glorious because it has nothing to do with us. And this is why when we learn our Bible and we interpret the scripture, we don't take these rogue verses and build our own cases, but we build based on full mention. We're seeing the, the, the crimson thread of the whole Bible and finding the heart of God. How about this? Calvinism. This is a big one. Calvinism. Now, I might ruffle some feathers here, but Calvinism infiltrated the churches in the early 18th and 19th century, but it's coming back today. It's very strong today. Very strong. And we've seen several of our new people they, they, one guy said to me a few weeks back, he says, I'm leaving my church because they're becoming too Calvinistic. What is Calvinism? Some people like parts of Calvinism. Uh, the more I study, of it, study it, I don't like any of it, actually. That's just my personal. Calvinism says it predestined, God predestines people to heaven and to hell. Think about that for a minute. God predestines people to heaven and to hell. Does that sound doctrinally sound? That sounds like, that sounds horrible. I wish I could say the word I'm thinking about right now. It's heretical. And it's everywhere in the churches through reformed, through the, through the reformed theology. That's another one I'd like to rip into. When, when we have the scripture and we see the pattern of Christ, Calvinism, predestined, would God send people to hell? That's not the God of the Bible. So you go to heaven, you go to hell. 
That means I don't have to sell, I don't have to soul win because God knows who's saved and who's not who will be saved. The sovereignty of God, they throw in that sovereignty of God word, which the sovereignty of God is beautiful. It's holy, but it's often used out of out of context. Calvinism, John Calvin. Anyway, these are this is these are hypocrisies, these are dissimulations, these are things that deceive people into bondage. And I tell you, in these days, one of the most beautiful things as Christians is you'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that good? That means I just, we love beyond the knowledge of all the craziness and we keep it Christ-centered. And the unbeliever says, oh, those Christians aren't arguing. Oh, those Christians are, don't live by a double standard. Oh, those Christians are not pluralists. Oh, those Christians are, they're, they're, they're actually living out their faith. Our testimony, our actions, our demonstrations, the world is watching. The world is watching. I've been riled up ever since a, a conversation I had in my neighborhood a few weeks back. I have not, I've just been riled up about it. I think I told you last week what, about the conversation I had where, where, I was, where I met another pastor, and he was a progressive Christian pastor, and he let me know right out of the gate. He asked me what denomination I was, and whenever someone does that, I get it. They want to try to figure out where you are. But after like the sixth or seventh question, people were like gathering around us because we were at a, a little um, neighborhood function. And I just stopped him. I said, hey, listen, can we just talk about Jesus? Can we just talk about Jesus? You know, you know, how, you know what he answered? He asked me another question. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, We're, this conversation's done. I said, we can talk another time. But the gospel, what did Jesus do? What has is, what is Jesus done? Who are we in Christ? And the, the factions and the divisions of, of denominations, they are a disservice to reaching the lost. So church history is what it is, and we understand why church history went certain ways because of, the, of protecting the pure gospel. Oh, man. I don't know about you. I don't have the strength to argue with other Christians. It's like the world is, is unreached. Half of the world is unreached. Am I going to deliberate with you in, in the light because of no cross in your life or no real uh, relationship with God? Progressive Christianity is demonic. It's demonic. Right? And what's the only thing we can say? Christ and Christ crucified. Christ and Christ resurrected. Christ and Christ sacrificed. Look at Galatians 5. Boy, Galatians, I'll tell you, you want to get stirred up in your faith, just read Galatians. And I love what Pastor said, we have great compassion. We have great compassion for these dear ones. But I love what, I love um, in 2 Corinthians eleven four. it says, it says, a different gospel, a different Jesus, don't put up with it. Don't put up with it. I believe that's 2 Corinthians. Um, 
I think it's 11.4. I might have that incorrect. But anyway, look at Galatians 5. So who is spying out your liberty today? Well, your flesh is. The devil is. The world is. Unbelievers are. You can't be that happy. You mean when you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness? That can't be true. You're a bad person. Well, repentance doesn't depend on me. Forgiveness depends on God. So God sets up the rules. God sets up the, 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 uh, the foundation and, and relationship of it. That's why forgiveness is pure and true and absolute. Right? How you doing? You still, go, you still with me? Are you, are you loving this? Are we edified? I hope so. Stand fast, verse 1, therefore in the liberty wherein Christ has made you free. I mean, imagine a slave being released from years of service and say, you're free. You can think for yourself. You can work for yourself. You can build a life for yourself. I would imagine for a long time they didn't know how to orient themselves to that life of freedom. That happens with Christians all the time. We want to be orientated to liberty, orientated to freedom, orientated to what Christ in John 8, 31 and 32, he has made us free. Isn't that good? It's almost like we have so much fun, it's illegal. I mean, that's a joke. I mean, obviously in the Christian life, we are sober, we are, um, we are responsible and all that, but we are our freedom is a beautiful gift. We don't have a theology of apology. We don't have to, we don't have to tiptoe around the tulips. We can be very kind, been very clear, and very compassionate, but we are free in Christ. Romans 8.1, uh, there is no condemnation. Why? Because we're in Christ. Now listen, if it was in my performance, if it was in my track record to be a good Christian, or my keeping power, we'd be in serious trouble. But it's not that. It's we're responding to a great God. We're responding to a perfect work. We are responding to something in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that is going to last forever. So in our liberalist and relative world, in our pagan society, uh, we, have a, we have a great gift for people. We can live out the gospel. Amen? We can say, you know what? You can't touch this, right? Because we're free. Oh, I was in bondage. Oh, I remember legalism. Oh, I remember when we were knotted up in our, in our, in our stomach because of guilt, shame, and fear. Oh, I remember it. Still struggle with that, maybe in some regard but who Christ has made free, they are free indeed. And then he says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's saying, don't go back to this old way of thinking. If it's not something that brings me to Christ, if, it doesn't some, if it's not something that reflects who Christ is, and if it's not something that adds to my Christian life from the Gospels and from what Christ has died and resurrected to give me, then it's not God. Isn't that good? I'm encouraged. So there are people spying out your freedom today. 
Give them something to talk about. Give them something to talk about. Say, wow, that guy, that gal, they are just, man, they do what they say. Wow, that guy or that gal, they, they're broken, but wow, they are just before the Lord. Or wow, that person's got joy in his life, and they don't have much. Wow, that's, what is that? What, like the world is looking for something that is provoking to cause them to search it out right? The Muslim, right? They know, they know all kinds of knowledge, but when they see it acted out, it's, it's like, it's like, wow. I remember one guy, and I'll close here in Atlanta. He said he went to a Christian meeting for a year and he was a Muslim and his purpose was to convert other Christians back to Islam. But he says, I could not shake the spirit of the meeting. It was so, there was so much peace. He said, I would go there because of the peace and the kindness. And it, ev- it eventually led him to the Lord, right? So let's, let's shed off our masks, amen? And just say, hey, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain, amen? Ooh, I could keep going another hour, but I think I said all I should say. <laughs> Lord, thank you today. God, just keep us... Keep us with a clear heart and a clear mind and clear eyes. Uh, help us not to lose you, Lord, in our lives. And in, in, in this sense of, of uh, having things supersede who you are in our lives. Thank you that you give grace to the most undeserving. You give mercy to the guilty. Not to leave us in that place, but to bring us closer to you and to be a, t- a trophy of of your finished work. Lord, thank you today. Lord, give us wisdom in this uh, jungle of a life we have and help us to really speak clearly uh, your great name, your greatness, your great provision. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. We can talk about this if you want. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.